Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, this afternoon, we recognize just how lucky we are to be healthy enough to be in the building today. And uh, if you are watching or listening to us a little bit later on in the week and you're under the weather and didn't get a chance to meet with us today, we're sorry uh, that you weren't here, but we've been praying for you. Uh, a warm welcome to all of you that are in the room today. Um, and if you are watching us online a little bit later on in the week, again, we, we've been praying for you. It really is good to be together in community. Uh, no matter what kind of weather, no matter what the situation in our lives, we are glad to be here today. Uh, I am going to be uh, talking through some information for all of us here today, but for those of us that are uh, maybe online right now, some of these items may not apply in the, the specific way that I mentioned them, but many of these things can be accessed through our website. So first, I want to welcome any guests that may be here with us today in the room. We have prayed for you. We're happy to serve you in any way that we can. One way that we hope to serve you is through connecting with you. So we'd love for you to share information with us so that we could follow up with you, maybe get some feedback from you. Um, anyone, not just guests, but anyone can update their info or be added to the email list. And there are two ways that you can share information with us um, or update your information. One is through our info card or electronically on the Uversion app. The instructions to access that are up on the screen right now. Uh, we are, um, that's the Uversion app, and the app is really cool. It's very, very useful. We use it a lot. Uh, it's useful during our gathering to follow along, to take notes, even to give uh, online uh, through that app as well. Um, there are other ways to give also, including going to the Give tab of our website uh, or via the offering box in the back there. Uh, if you have questions about who we are or about what we do, if you have feedback on those things, ideas, or you just need prayer, we'd love for you to connect with us through our, our email, connect at centerwaychurch.com. Uh, there are other ways to connect and engage throughout the week as well. Uh, we have wallpapers for your uh, devices, the Spotify playlist, uh, social media, uh, different channels there, uh, and a Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotional that can come right to your inbox if you want to sign up for that. You can visit the messages page of the website website to access all of those resources. And if you haven't been to our website in a while, I would love for you to check that out. It seems like it's nice and fresh. But you can also take next steps if you're looking for ways to grow. One of the beautiful things about uh, the gospel of Jesus is that we never arrive, right? We're never in a place where we're like, there, I know it all. I know everything that God wants me to know or I've done all that God wants me to do. There's always another step that we can take in our spiritual lives and our spiritual journey. So if you're looking to serve, be spiritually coached, get water back baptized, become a Centerway steward. Uh, you can check out the Next Steps booth in the lobby directly after our gathering or the Next Steps tab of our website. A uh, couple quick things to note in the life of our church. The students are getting together on April 9th and having a volleyball night. Pretty excited about that and not at all jealous, I swear. Uh, details are on the website. Also, I want to let you know the second thing that in two weeks, if you can believe it, uh, Easter uh, will be here. And uh, it's an incredible time for us to engage with the world around us because Easter is one of those maybe rare occasions where the world enters our story, begins 
to ask questions about Easter and why we celebrate and uh, begin to make connections there. And so it's a great time for you to invite a guest. And so I know there's a lot of things that happen traditionally around here on Easter, but uh, if uh, you can keep that in, in your mind as you're making those connections with the people in your world, that would be great. Let's remind, remember to be missional uh, in our approach to Easter Sunday. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of our gathering. Kira is going to be reading scripture this, mor- uh, this afternoon. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. Uh, then we'll be responding to the word uh, through singing. Can we pray and just ask God's blessing on our time together? Dear Heavenly Father, we enter uh, your um, gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, Lord God. We uh, enter this place expectant, Lord, anticipating a move of your spirit in real and profound ways. Lord, would you do something that we don't even expect you to do, Lord God, uh, because uh, you're the God who who loves to surprise. And God, I pray that um, as we anticipate your move, Lord God, we be prepared, prepared in our hearts, prepared in our minds, Lord God. Father, allow us to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. Today we are reading Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 10. You can follow along on the screens, in the Bible app, or in your scripture journals. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Therefore, there, oh, sorry, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Thanks, Kira. <laughs> so grateful that you're here today. Um, as was already mentioned, uh, April 3rd was kind of one of those dates that we saw a bunch of people had blocked out and there were a whole mess of people that weren't going to be available to be here. And then on top of that, we have several families that are that are ill. And so um, just keep them in prayer if they come to your mind. Um, and uh, we're just grateful that you're here today and excited to have an encounter with the Lord. And we're continuing in our series, uh, Walk With Me. Walk with me, and today's message specifically is entitled Growing. Walk with me, Growing. Um, As we've already seen in Ephesians, Paul has kind of a little bit of a habit of going into these really long sentences. And so verse one through six is actually one of those really long sentences. And we're going to go through, I'm actually going to end up reading all 10 verses at some point. And uh, so it'll be a little bit different. I'm going to walk through the text and unpack it as we go. Before I start that, I want to share just a brief story with you. Uh, I had the opportunity to be part of a soccer camp when I was in high school. Uh, Actually, I'm... Yeah, I think I was in high school. I may have already graduated, but um, it was a soccer day camp uh, at the church that I attended at the time, and uh, we had teams that were broken up, and 
there was this one kid that got dropped off and I want to say they were maybe seven or eight years old in that window. And as they sat down, uh, we started to, to talk about what we were going to go through the day and uh, his mother started to kind of walk away and she was doing it kind of creepily, uh, you know, sort of like backing away. I'm like, what is happening? And then I realized why she was doing that. He looked over his shoulder and was like, mom, no, 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 don't go, don't go. I'm like, whoa, serious separation anxiety. And um, he just started literally freaking out and uh, it became one of those moments where she calmed him down and then she literally ran to her vehicle and got in it and drove away. And he was like screaming and running after her. I'm like, did she just like abandon this child? What's going on? And so I was super freaked out by the whole thing and went and talked to the person in charge of the day camp. And they're like, oh no, no. Like we knew this was going to happen. He has real problems being away from his mom. And so I just, you know, thinking I could give him a pep talk or distract him. And so I'm like, hey, let's pass the ball. He's like, I can't. Like, you can't? And I was like, no. So I like pass the ball to him. It just hits his feet. He's crying and screaming. And I'm like, dude, you're going to be all right. I was like, don't you want to play soccer? He's like, no, no. He's kind of like, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I I can't play soccer without my mom. And he just bursts out in tears. I'm like, wow. Like, it will be all right. Well, it turned out it wasn't all right. And uh, he ended up not being able to make it through the day. And uh, we didn't see him for the rest of the week. Um, It turns out he was really incapable of doing many things without his mother. And um, I don't know where he is today, but I'm assuming he's in proximity to his mother. Uh, The reason I share that story is because I have a question to ask you. And the question is this, who in your life would you be unable to live without? Who in your life would you be unable to live without? Now, you may feel like this is a trick question because if you've been with us for any amount of time, you may assume that I'm going to warn you against that person becoming kind of an idol in your life before God. And although that would be a worthwhile warning, it's not the intent of today's question. With that question, I want you to realize that we all actually have something in common. We all thought of a person we love. We all thought of a person we love. No one was like, I feel like I'd be unable to live without my sworn enemy. You know, like, listen, without an epic battle from time to time and just really fighting it out, I don't think I could go on with life. So the person I'd miss most is the person I despise the most. Like, no one thought that. If you did, I would love to talk to you afterwards. That's kind of amazing. But most of us, I want to say all of us, thought of a person that we love thought of a person that we love, someone that we feel united with. I want to submit to you something that's rather common sense, but also has profound implications. We have a lot of differences from those we love. We love people that are different than us. In fact, the closer you are to someone, the more you have the opportunity to disagree, right? I'm not, Meredith was shaking her head a little hard on that one, so <laughs> she's like, mm, Amen. Now, the fact is, the, the more you have the opportunity to be with someone in proximity, the more opportunity there is to disagree. We love people in spite of our differences. Think about that. We love people in spite of our differences. You've heard this before, opposites attract, right? We're better because of our differences. Scripture says, iron sharpens iron. Those we love challenge our perspective. And we, hopefully, challenge theirs. 
If disagreement can actually be healthy if we remain united in the midst of the disagreement. In fact, the result of that disagreement is growth. We grow as a person when our ideas and thoughts are challenged, and we also grow corporately. Listen, you don't love people because they're the same as you, right? Unless you're a narcissist, which is a different message. (laughs) We don't love people because they're the same. You choose to love, and you choose to be unified. Now, I hate that kind of our culture says, you know, oh, I just, I fell in love. As if there's nothing we can do about that, you know? I just, I met this person and they were so wicked and terrible, but I just, I fell in love, you know? I don't know what to tell you. We don't fall in love. Love is a choice. We fall into infatuation. We get infatuated with people. That's something that that happens almost involuntarily. We're infatuated with people, but we choose to love. We choose to love. It's a choice. It's a decision. In our world, we often confuse sameness and unity. Sameness is about exclusion or control, right? I'm only going to interact with those who agree with me, those that are the same as I am. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push away others. I'm going to try to convince them to see the world as I see it. And if they choose not to, then I'm going to push them away. It's about exclusion or control. And according to scripture, that's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of immaturity when we pursue sameness. Unity is, is acknowledging that we aren't the same, but we're unified in Christ. And so as a result, we choose to love. That's a person who's growing spiritually. Say, listen, I disagree with you in a lot of ways, but we're united under the umbrella of the truth of the gospel. And so I'm going to choose to love you in the midst of this. So I want to challenge you to walk with me growing as we unpack how Paul addresses this very topic. Verse one says, I, meaning Paul, therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk in a worthy manner. This is a challenge for holy living. Now listen, even though we are united in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in us, if we call ourselves Christ followers, if we say that we're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit resides within us. Even united in Christ, we can still live spiritually immature. It's a scary thought. We can still live spiritually immature. I was uh, at a gas station recently, and that was devastating on a lot of levels. <laughs> but um, as, I, as I was uh, getting out of my vehicle, there was a pickup truck that pulled up, and there's these two guys in here. They're grown men, and they're literally like yelling at each other. And the one guy in the passenger seat, his veins are like sticking out in his neck. He is like screaming. And uh, I'm like, holy cow. Now, I don't know about you, but like when stuff like that happens, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. I just want to know like the, the whole conversation. I don't know what's broken in me, but I'm super intrigued by that stuff. And so they're yelling, and uh, he gets out of the truck. And as he gets out of the truck, the other guy's like laughing. And you know, there's this dynamic that's clearly out of balance. The guy driving is laughing. The guy in the passenger seat is screaming and he has the door open and he yells and he's like, when are you going to grow up? Seriously, man, you're 60 years old. When are you going to grow up? And he just grabs the door and slams it shut. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It's amazing. Like what is happening right now? And the guy just stays in the driver's seat, just laughing as the other guy storms into the gas station. I'm like, wow, I wonder what happened. It's interesting that we can see a 60-year-old man 
do something stupid, be absurd, and agree that he's immature, that he's lived 60 years of his life and still hasn't, to quote this guy, grown up. But if you've been a Christian for a long time, the assumption is by sheer time, you've somehow spiritually matured. Oh, I've been a Christian a majority of my life. So therefore, you, are, you must be spiritually mature, right? But the reality is, that's not the case. Get this, we can carry the label Christian for decades and be spiritually immature until we do the hard work of keeping and contributing to the unity that Paul is talking about. That's worth contemplating on a lot of levels. And honestly, it should be disruptive. You should think about it the same way that you consider your own maturity as an individual. Where am I really on the spiritual maturity gamut? Am I leaning in? Am I pursuing spiritual growth? Or am I simply attending an interaction? You're spiritually immature. Now, if we just pluck these verses kind of out of, the, out of the scripture, we can conclude that Paul might be talking about us being moral. Like, oh, I get it. We just, we need to try to be humble. We just need to try to be gentle. And we just need to lean into morality. But in, in chapters one through three, as I've been talking about, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has laid the doctrinal foundation of what unity is. And so now we're kind of turning that corner as we go into chapter four through, through six, and he's now building on that do- doctrinal foundation that he's laid. And so verse two goes on. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Why did he write this? He wrote it because the opposite was happening, right? You never tell a room full of people like, hey guys, quiet down, when they're already quiet. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? So why in the world would he say this? He's saying it because the opposite is happening. So he's saying, listen, with all humility, because they were being prideful, and gentleness, because they were being aggressive. With patience, because, wait for it, they were being impatient. <laughs> bearing with one another in love. You know, when you look at this word, bearing with one another, it actually means accept complaint with love. That's what it means. Accept complaint. Why? Because they were caring about their own agenda. You see, the language here indicates that there was pain and division. These issues aren't new in the church. The idea of pain and division, the fact that we're humans with different opinions and different thoughts kind of being crammed together into the same space. You see, it's about sinful humanity. It's about our human condition. In their culture, humility was looked down upon as weakness. And so Paul is speaking very counterculturally then and I would argue even today. And it's just as timely today as well. He goes on, verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain. Maintain, this word maintain, it's in the present uh, active tense in the original text. Passive active tense. So believers don't create unity. Think about that for a second. Sometimes we think that like, it's our job to like, create unity, but believers don't create unity. Get this, we are called to actively and eagerly preserve the unity established by Christ. 
I want to say that one more time. Believers don't create unity. We're called to actively and even eagerly preserve the unity established by Christ. See the difference? This means those who create division are actually working against Jesus and his bride, the church. It's a choice. It's a choice. Don't get me wrong. The temptation may be to conclude that we should be kind of passive here. Like, okay, I get it. In in an attempt to maintain unity, I will ignore issues. And so I will be the mature one here. I'll ignore issues. But that's not true in your personal lives, and it's not true in our corporate lives. There is nothing passive about this. Maintain, again, is in the active present tense. Right now, today, be active and eager in maintaining unity. So what we're talking about is speaking the truth of the gospel in love. A willingness with humility and patience to come alongside people that we would otherwise disagree with and say, listen, but that's not what the gospel says. That's not the truth of the gospel. And you know what? Sometimes it's hard to love. You know that. Sometimes it's hard to love the people that you love the most. Sometimes it's like, man, I've got to conjure up some effort here. I've got to choose to love. Sometimes it seems like people are working full time to make themselves unlovable at every turn. But we love because we're loved. You see, in, in spite of who we are, in our brokenness, in our rebellion, in our sinful nature, in our wretchedness, God chose to love us. He was patient with us. And so how do we withdraw or keep back love from others? We love because we're loved. Let's continue. Verses four through six go on. It says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all things and through all and in all. Paul is communicating clearly about oneness, right? We as humans have one body and one spirit. That's it. We're we're not conflicting. There's never two bodies that are being birthed within us. There's one body and one spirit. And we as center way are the same. We are one body with different parts functioning in unity. Why? Because we have one hope that unifies us. Eternal life in resurrection glory. Christians don't have separate hopes or agendas. Humans do. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Humans have separate agendas and separate hopes, but Christians don't have separate hopes or agendas. Maturing Christians don't. Our hope is in Christ, and our mission is to make disciples. That's it. We're unified in the hope and the mission. Our hope is in Christ and our mission is to make disciples. Paul is masterfully described the the Trinity up until this point, all throughout Ephesians, if you've been with us. And now he illustrates uh, unity via the triune God once again. Verse four, one spirit. Verse five, one Lord, who is Christ. Verse six, one father. And he talks about one baptism of all believers into one 
body. We have true unity on display in the Trinity. And as Christians, we have the same triune God within us. Within us. We're connected. We're connected to one another. Through the God in us. I showed up in Pennsylvania for a soccer camp and I didn't know anybody. I was in the middle of Pennsylvania and literally knew no one and here we are and we're getting ready to, uh, <laughs> to form a team and it was kind of cool on some levels but also kind of scary on some levels. You know, your parents drop you off for college and then they drive away and we're running along and I remember distinctly as we're running along, we're doing all these different drills and all of a sudden the guy in front of me goes, Yolanda Vega. And I'm like, what? And I start laughing and everybody's like, dude, why are you laughing? I'm like, he just said Yolanda Vega. And he whips around. He's like, you know who I'm talking about? And some of you guys laughed. And I don't don't know if she's still working or whatever, but maybe it's just something for a certain age group. Maybe we just dated ourselves, but there's a certain group of people that just like lit up when I said Yolanda Vega. Because Yolanda Vega is the woman that reads the, um, I just blanked on it. Help me out. Lottery. That reads the lottery back in the day on television. And so they would say, here's Yolanda Vega to read the lottery numbers for today. (laughs) And so he whips around when I start laughing. He goes, you're from New York? I'm like, yeah. And everybody's like, how is Yolanda Vega the uniting thing for New York? And no one knew who we were talking about, but it was like an instant connection. Kind of like the connection we feel right now. When I said Yolanda Vega, there's a group of the people in the room that are like, I have no idea who that woman is and why you keep saying it. In some ways, it's just fun to say. I mean, she has a legit name. But in in another way, a lot of us were just connected through just saying that name. We had a common bond instantly. I still text this guy randomly. I, I wouldn't consider him necessarily a friend, but we made like a connection that day. We disagree on so many things, but we're unified in kind of that, that moment. Listen, what makes us a Christian isn't just belief in the Bible, and it's not moral living, although that should be true. Christians have the living God in them. We're connected. We're unified because we have the same mission. We have the same purpose. We're unified under the, under the work and person of Jesus Christ. Christianity isn't just a way of life. That is so empty and such a waste of your time. Like, I'm a Christian, so I attend church. No, it's not just a way of life and checking a box. The gospel isn't that small, quite honestly. We're made new. We're made new. We're alive and awake. We're no longer lulled to sleep by the worries and the cares of this world. Something should be awoken in our spirit if we call ourselves Christian. And and the baptism, water baptism is an outward sign of that inward reality. That's why we water baptize, is to show that that God has done something in us. And so I want to challenge you, if you haven't taken that step in your spiritual journey, to sign up in the Next Steps area of our website. And even if you're watching far away and you want to orchestrate a time that you can be in the area to be water baptized, we would love that. And whatever your next step is, I know that we have four or five that are interested, and so we're getting ready to to have a water baptism. We're super excited about it. Maybe that's you. I want to challenge you to consider taking that public confession of your faith. We are a unified body, and we should be growing. 
We should be wondering, what is next in my spiritual journey? What is next that God wants from me? I'm leaning in. It's got to be more than just checking the boxes. Paul goes on in verse 7 and says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ's gift to individuals and ultimately to the body. Jesus dispenses gifts. Gifts to the individuals of the body. Abilities that we have for the purpose of ministering to one another. That's why we've been given these gifts. And so to withhold the action of our gifts is really to withhold from the body. It's like if all of a sudden my hand decided just wasn't going to work anymore. The body pays the consequences of the hand no longer working. We've been knit together as a body. We'll talk more about this in the weeks ahead. But what's important for today's text and why Paul brings it up is because Christ is the giver of the gifts. He's the giver of the gifts. It goes on in verse 8, which is actually a quotation from Psalm 68, 18. He says, When he ascended, meaning Christ, on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave, he gave gifts to men. So he quotes Psalm 68, 18. And then Paul explains he ascended through a parenthetical, which we'll see in verses 9 through 10. I'll read that now. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? Into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. Paul's talking about is that Jesus stepped into time, that he stepped into humanity. Because Jesus ultimately died the death that we deserve. And that he descended not only to heaven, but he ultimately descended even to hell to have victory over sin and death. And as evidence of that victory, he then ascended into heaven. Because of that reality, we can be unified on mission together. Diverse. Why are we diverse? So we can reach all. So we can reach all. We're, we're different people with different spheres of influence so that we can come together unified and then go back out into the spheres of influence that God has directed us individually and be light for the lost. We can be hope to the broken world. We're diverse so we can reach all, but we're unified in mission. We're unified in mission. If we've taken the gospel into a self-help category of our lives and we've lessened it into a, a checking box of religiosity, simple church attendance or consuming, then we are pushing God into a tiny little box and we're dismissing the power and the full force of the truth of the gospel. And so I wanna challenge you to consider what it looks like to live unified on mission. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And I want to ask you a, a question as we begin to prepare our hearts and minds for response today, an application to wrestle with. The question is this, what will I do to contribute to the mission of the church? What will I do to contribute to the mission of the church? We're not called to, to simply be consumers, but to be contributors, to give of ourselves for the furtherance of the mission. 
not lulled to sleep by the worries and the cares of this world, but to lean in and say, I'm available for whatever you want to do in and through me, Lord. I want to ask you just to bow your heads if you would. If you want, you can close your eyes, but the worship team's going to kind of make their way up, and I just don't want you to be distracted as they do so. As you kind of consider what it looks like to contribute to the mission of the church, maybe you have to begin with contemplating what it looks like to join the body of believers. Maybe you've never laid your life down. Maybe you're really living for your agenda. You're not concerned about the truth of the gospel informing your life. Today, you want to enter in to this body of believers. It starts with a simple decision of surrender. It can be a a prayer, however you want to speak it, but something that involves acknowledging that you're a sinner, that Jesus died for your sins. Ask him to forgive you and be the Lord and leader of your life. That's how a relationship begins. That's how you join this thing called the church, this beautiful, powerful thing called the church. For others of you, if you've prayed that prayer, I just wanna welcome you to, to reach out in some way. If, if you've prayed the prayer in the quietness of your mind right now and you're here in this room, uh, I wanna encourage you to have a, a conversation with either me or um, at the Next Steps area about what is next as you continue to grow. If you're watching or listening later, we'd love for you to reach out either through email or through our website and consider what it looks like to take next steps. For others of us, if you've already crossed that line of salvation, if you've already surrendered your life and you consider yourself part of this thing called the church, maybe the next step for you is to be water baptized, to go public with the decision that you've made. And maybe you've served the Lord for a long time and you just haven't gone public with that decision and now is the time. You can sign up. We'd love to celebrate what it is that the Lord has done in your life. Sometimes when we share the journey we've been on, it's a testimony that encourages the entire body. So I want to encourage you if you haven't taken that step to sign up. For others of us, maybe your contribution is to consider what it looks like to be a unifier rather than a divider. Maybe your motives have really just been about what you want. Leaning into to selfishness or whatever it might be. And maybe it's just some fear of the unknown. Maybe you've been burned by other experiences. And so you kind of withhold like, man, can I risk being unified? Is it a safe place? I want to encourage you to take the risk to contribute to the mission of the church with your time, your talent, your treasure. Live life to the fullest. Withhold nothing. This is your one and only life. Do you want to live your life for the temporal things that will burn up hay, wood, stubble? That's what scripture says. It just burns up. Do you want to leverage everything towards eternal things? Maybe it means being missional as an individual going into your sphere of influence with a purpose and a plan to link arms and say, okay, how is it that we can be influencers in this place that God has placed us? Maybe it's no mistake that we're, that we're all gathered here. How can we do something here in the name of Christ? Maybe spiritual conversations, maybe just an invitation. I don't know what it looks like, but I know God is at work. 
And I'm anticipating that God is gonna continue to do a work in and through us as individuals and us corporately as we continue to move forward in this and surrounding areas for the glory of God. And so I wanna challenge you to just dream. What does it look like to contribute to the mission of the church? Let's pray together before we respond in worship. Heavenly Father, I pray your spirit would awaken ours. Lord, that you in us would be stirred. That we would have God dreams. That we would, that we would have ideas that, man, maybe God's at work here. Give us ideas, Lord. Provide opportunities, spiritual conversations, divine appointments. Lord, we declare ourselves available so that we can function in unity according to the mission and the purpose of the church. We declare ourselves available. We pray, Spirit, have your will and your way. We know your scripture says you inhabit the praises of your people, and I pray, Lord, that you would inhabit our praises today that it would be a sweet sound to your ear. Lord, we worship you. We worship you today. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to be a part of what you're building in this and surrounding communities. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, let's worship the Lord together. Sweetest of loves, when my heart becomes free. 
Are you available but super distracted? You know, we've got some time. I, I want to I share a couple stories with you real quick. And you can go ahead and be seated because um, I know that it can sometimes be annoying to stand. Um, I just want to share a couple stories with you and then I want to go back into that song, if that's okay. Can you hear me? Okay. I didn't know if I was in your ears or not. So Meredith and I spent 10 years in youth ministry, for those of you that don't know. And um, I remember challenging a group of teenagers about what it would look like to consider what influence they could have with their friends, with their teammates, with wherever they find themselves connected, their spheres of influence. And I remember at the end of that gathering, um, a girl came up to me and she said, if I invite a bunch of my friends, can I borrow the church van? And, uh, you know, can somebody come pick us up? And I thought, oh, that's so cute. You know, like, like, yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, if you, you get at least 10 friends that want to come out, then yeah, absolutely. We'll find a way to get them here. And, uh, I never thought that it would actually happen. And in fact, on, uh, on the following Wednesday, I got a phone call from her and I thought, well, here we go. It's going to be like, hey, you know, Pastor Claude, sorry. They just weren't interested. Um, but she called and said, um, is there any way we could get some other vehicles here because there's too many people coming? I'm like, too many people that said they're coming? No, too many people that are at my house right now that are coming. I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I mean, she's the captain of the soccer team. So she just told her team to come and they said, okay. So she had the entire soccer team at her house and they all needed a ride to church. And so I said, yeah, we'll get them here. And it was incredible. The Lord moved in profound ways in some of those girls' lives. And I have pictures to this day where we were in circles as they were just having an encounter with the Lord at the end of a gathering. And it was amazing because you get an entire girls' varsity soccer team to a gathering and the boys varsity basketball team is soon to follow. And that's exactly what happened in the weeks ahead. (laughs) Um, Just based completely on their interest in females, they came. And uh, it was amazing how the Lord began to move in the hearts and lives of people in that space. In fact, I remember one basketball player who's 6'10", he raised his hand for salvation and hit the light rack in our room. I thought the, the ceiling was falling. I was like, what's going on? He's just like, oh, sorry. You're ginormous. The point is this. We think we're planted in spheres of influence for our own entertainment, for our job, for our lives. Sometimes we're redirected into a new sphere of influence and we just think it's, it's a new job or a new opportunity or whatever it might be. But what if it's a divine appointment? What if every moment of your life is a divine appointment? What if life isn't an accident, right? But that God actually wove you together and that there's a narrative that he's writing, a narrative of redemption, and he's placed you strategically for such a time as this. It just took one, just one person that says, I'm available, I'll just ask. It was amazing as the room was filled how there was a, another school district where a guy who's on the varsity ba- baseball team, he's a captain, and he's like, you know, guys on my team don't really listen to me, but the JV people, they really look up to me, so I'm going to tell them they have to come to church, and sure enough, they did. I'm not talking about manipulating people into a space because ultimately that doesn't matter. I'm talking about leveraging your sphere of influence because maybe there's something eternal at work. Maybe, just maybe, there's something eternal at work. 
It can change your teams. You can change your workplaces. You can change your homes. Not because of your ability to change, but because God in you is doing a work and we're unified together on mission and we're trying to make disciples. There's another story I'd love to, (laughs) it's going to make me emotional because it shows how much of a piece of garbage I am. I'd love to not share with you, but I think it's timely. I was in ministry on staff at a church in the community that I grew up in when a guy came to church who I went to high school with. He made an appointment and we sat in my office and he talked about how the Lord has awoken his heart. The gospel has just removed the blinders from his eyes. He was a person of pretty good means. He was rather wealthy and had um, a really good business that he was running and he had been just chasing after stuff and it just came up empty at every turn. And so he's just talking to me about how God has done a work in him. I was like, dude, that's amazing. It's like unbelievable. And he says, yeah, I just want to ask you one thing. I'm like, yeah. He goes, why didn't you ever tell me about the Lord? what? He said, I mean, I knew you all throughout high school. I didn't, I didn't even know you were a Christian. Wow. Yeah. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I don't know. And I apologized to him and he said, no, I forgive you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. He goes, I just wanted to know. I wonder, I just wondered if maybe you thought like it wasn't for me. I'm like, no, no. It's nothing like that. It was my own small world thinking. I don't really know. I don't have an excuse for you. And he said, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that, that God's brought us together for this time. But man, it would have been awesome to be able to have an influence in the school together while we were growing up. Yeah, it would have. Maybe you guys are in school or in workplaces or in lines of business or in spheres of influence that God has ordained for you to maybe even work together on mission. And the reason I share that story isn't just to tell you how much I was a terrible witness in high school, but also because this past year I had, um, I had the honor of officiating his funeral. Sorry. He died this past year, and it was incredible to see the legacy of his life, the way he lived unapologetically for the gospel, in the room filled with people that I went to high school with one after another, confused when they came in and I'm standing in a suit in, the, in a suit in front of the room. Like, what's going on? And I had the opportunity to share the gospel with all these friends. Sorry. He would have loved it. And so... I'm sharing that not to make you emotional or or to manipulate anything. I'm just saying life is short 
Eternity is long. What are you living for? Are you on mission? Are you truly available? If God were to challenge you to be a little bit, to risk your comfort, your finances, your, your popularity, whatever the heck that even is, but that you just, that you'd risk, that you'd risk something by being available. And so I want us to just sing that song one more time. And, and I want you just to, to pray a prayer of availability and to think maybe, just maybe there's a divine appointment. Maybe there's a person right now that even as I'm speaking, they're popping in your mind, like, why well, I haven't talked to that person or maybe there's a sphere of influence that you're like, why, why have I compartmentalized my life with Christ? God in me, I've somehow compartmentalized. I've made the gospel small. I just want to challenge you. So let's sing this song or agree with this song and just pray a prayer over our spheres of influence and then I'll close us. And my prayer is that we leave this place on mission. Let's sing it together. it's all yours anyway. So we're just living as stewards. I pray that we'd have perspective as we go about our days this week. That we'd realize what it is that you're calling us to do and who it is you're calling us to become. That we wouldn't fall for a lesser, immature version of our one and only lives, but that we would lean in and grow into the fullness of what you've called us to be, of who you've created us to be. Pray for divine appointments, for God ideas, for people to link arms in schools, at workplaces, in spheres of influence, and to begin to live on mission. It only takes one, God, and I know that you have a plan and a purpose to reach the east side of Rochester and surrounding areas. And so, God, we simply declare we're available to a work, to a work. Protect us as we go our separate ways and bring us back safely next week as we gather together and celebrate what it is that you have done. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. If you want prayer for anything, I'd love to pray with you. And I'm gonna make my way out to the Next Steps area. If you have any questions about what's next, about discipleship or um, water baptism, you feel completely free to remain in this place and continue to worship if you'd like. God bless you as you go. Thank you.